All right, guys, we're in lesson 24 in the, our study of Isaiah. So we're looking at chapter 63, verse 7 through 65, verse 25. And so we're going to, this, I'm, I'm calling this lesson the nation's dilemma. Okay, so let me kind of explain that when I talk about nation here. We're talking about Israel, okay? This is Israel's dilemma. And so here, here's something, I, I kind of need to make a comment about that. Uh, there, there is a lot of stuff that's out there on Christian, wherever you're looking at, that kind of talks about America in the midst of all of this. Folks, this doesn't have anything to do with America. This is about Israel, okay? Nothing in the Old Testament has anything to do with America. Nothing in the New Testament has anything to do with America, okay? Um, so think about it. When Christopher Columbus sailed, and he landed in what is now Dominican Republic, okay? Uh, he thought he was landing in India. They th he thought he had found a way to get to India. There was no concept in anyone's mind, in the ancient mind, or even up until the 1400s, of there being North and South America, Okay? So that, that didn't enter into any of their minds. So when these writers are writing, they're not thinking about that. So don't equate any of this with, because America is just a Gentile nation. So when you think about America, we're just one of the Gentile nations facing the same judgment as the Gentile nations, bottom line. There's nothing special biblically about us, okay? Just so you're aware of that. Now, if you're mad at me, fine, I understand that, but I know what the Bible says, okay? So we're not going to go there. So what we're talking about here is Israel. Now, can we learn lessons from Israel? Yes, but the lessons we learn from Israel aren't for America. It's for you, the believer, and for the church, the community of God's people, because the pronouncements are concerning God's people, Israel. Okay? So just, just be aware of that. So let's look. First of all, we're going to look in the first part, at the nation's prayer. And that's going to be focusing on Isaiah 63, 7 through 64, 12. So this is their prayer, okay? So by the way, if anyone tells you that it's not okay to complain to God, there are a lot of complaints to God in the Bible, okay? Uh, there are a lot of people asking God questions. They're expressing that they feel God's doing them wrong. None of them are rebuked, okay? None of them are rebuked. But God does say who he is, and you just have to accept it. And he does say what he says. So it's okay if you're going through it to say to him, God, I, I'm frustrated. This is what I'm frustrated about. I feel like you're not here. Just so you're aware of that, okay? So, all right, so first of all, the question. In chapter 63, verses 7 through 14. So the remnant tells of the goodness and mercy of the Lord in the past. So they're, they're remembering how God was, was good to them and merciful to them in the past. So they're like, oh, I remember the days when everything with you was great. Okay? That's a human tendency, right? We do that. Okay? So the remnant knew that God was their Savior. Okay? So starting out good. So they're like, yeah, we knew you were our God. We knew you were our Savior. Yet, 
Israel rebelled against the Lord and he fought against them. So even though they knew that, okay, even though they knew that he was good to them and merciful to them, even though they knew that he was his savior, they rebelled against the Lord and he fought against them. Now, when we talk about rebellion, what do we mean by when you rebel against the Lord? I heard, I heard it, somebody's whispering. Sin, that's right, Gene, you have to speak up, okay? Because my, I'm getting older and my ears have listened to too much loud music and so I can't hear anymore, so. You're supposed to be quiet, okay, all right, sorry, okay. All right, well, whisper to Tim, he'll yell it out, okay? So, uh, all right, so sin. Is that possible that even though God is good to us and merciful and he's our savior, we still rebel against him? Yeah, that is possible. Why? Because we're humans, right? This is what they're doing. So they recalled the patience of God in the events of the Exodus. Now, what kind of events of the Exodus? Well, Isaiah is going to share some of those with us, but you think about it. I, you know what? I never see anybody saying that they want to be like Moses and be like the kind of leader Moses was. Why? Because Moses dealt with, for 40 years, one million complaining people who were backbiting and angry and sinned and did everything wrong on a 40-mile trek through the desert. Who wants to be that kind of leader? He was a great leader, but that was Moses. And, and so, but yet God, in the midst of all of that, rather than just wiping them out, and he said several times, if you read through Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, God had, many times God said, I want to wipe them out. And Moses said, no, don't do that. It'll look bad on you. And so they remember that God was patient with them. Now, is God patient with us in our sin? Yeah, yeah, we remember that, okay? But the remnant called for the Lord to look down on them from heaven. So it's like, okay, God, we remember you. You were even patient with us in our rebellion. Look down on us from heaven. That's a natural thing when you're going through it, right? God, God, would you show me favor? Would you look down on us? Okay? So they acknowledged that the Lord God is their father. So again, this is their prayer. They're acknowledging God, you are our father. Okay? You are our father. Now, now they get to the complaining part. Okay, we set aside all of that. Let's get right to the heart of why they want to talk. Okay? So they questioned the Lord as to why he allowed them to stray and harden their hearts. All right, do you catch what they're saying? They're blaming him for what? Yeah, for their sin. Have you ever heard somebody like, why did you allow me to do that? You knew I had a problem there. Why did you allow me to do that? Do you ever heard anybody say something like that? You know? You know I'm on a diet. Why did you make those cupcakes? Isn't that, isn't that the kind of thing we say? Except in, in other areas. This is what they're doing. They're like, God, why did you allow us 
to rebel against you and harden our hearts towards you. This is the complaint. I'm, you, you, you've got to look at this and you've got to think, man, where is their head? Where's their head? And this is what they're doing. So would you say their reaction is a natural reaction? Yes. yes. Is it a misunderstanding of who God is and how God acts? Yeah, Deanna says yes. She's whispering too. Okay, so, all right. So they ask God to return them since the temple has been destroyed. This is why some scholars, liberal scholars, will say this could not have been written during the time of Isaiah because it acknowledges that the temple has been destroyed. When would the temple be destroyed? A couple hundred years later by the Babylonians. And so they're thinking this had to have been written in the exile. No, this is prophecy. God is projecting, yes, the temple's going to be gone and you're going to be asking to be returned because the temple's gone. Okay? The temple's gone. God can do that, right? That's why he's God. So they have become like those who have never been ruled by God. Basically, they become like the unsaved, right? They think like the unsaved, act like the unsaved, speak like the unsaved. There's no distinction in their life anymore. So the remnant cries out that the Lord would come down from heaven. So things are obviously bad. And honestly, he's, he's reflecting here from the remnant that's in exile. They're slaves. They're oppressed captives by an oppressing people, the Babylonians. Of course they would be crying out and asking God to come down from heaven. Now, they just don't want God to show up and have fellowship with them. They want God to show up and get them out of there. You know, deal with their enemies, get them out of there. So that's, that's what they're talking about here. They want the Lord to make his presence known to his adversaries, okay? God, show them who's boss. You know, show them who's boss. I find myself praying like that sometimes, don't you? You look at what's happening around the world and you look at, at the oppression that believers, no matter where you are, whether in our country or around in other countries, and you look at the, the wicked and their, their intent and their thoughts towards the children of God, and, and I even find myself praying this kind of prayer, Lord, make your presence known to, to your adversaries. Let them know you're real. That's just a natural prayer, right? So they proclaim that the world has not seen a God like the Lord who can do as he does. They haven't seen a God like that. I would even go one step further and say, they don't believe in a God like that. Do you know what I'm saying? I find it interesting. Have you noticed this in our culture? Nobody wants to believe in God, right? They don't want God to have anything to do with it. Don't have God. God can't have any part of their life. But let some kind of disaster happen. Who's the first person they blame? It's on the news. They'll even, you know, people, they interview a guy who's mad at God for what? Allowing the catastrophe to happen. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but wait a minute now. Weren't you the guys who were just saying he doesn't exist? We don't want him in our lives? And now you're upset that he wasn't there to help you? 
or didn't take care of the problem. So I see, or he allowed it to happen. Yeah, like why would he do that, you know? So they proclaim that the, the world has not seen a God like the Lord who can do as he does. They recognize that they are suffering because of their sin. Now we get to the reality here where, okay, they are at least acknowledging, yeah, we're facing the consequences. Now, this is a good place for them to be, though. Would you agree with that? Realizing that what they're going through is because of their sin. Because a lot of times people will go through stuff and they refuse to, you see it. How many, how many times have you met somebody who's going through something? You know why they're going through it. It's the consequences of their actions. But they're saying, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Now, that kind of person is a long way away from being helped. But when you're at a place where you are suffering, you realize you're suffering because it's the consequences of your sin, you're actually in a good place. Wouldn't you agree with that? That's really the first place you've got to be. That's really the first place is where you begin to realize this is because of me. That's where change starts to happen. So the remnant recognize that they are unrighteous, and consumed with iniquity. So they recognize their true condition. They understand they're going through this because of, because of their actions and what they've done, but they also recognize now who they really are. Now, um, you know, we live, at, we live in an era, I'd say for the last 50 years especially, where we put a lot of emphasis on you feeling good about yourself, okay? Uh, the power of positive thinking, okay? Uh, there was a guy, I forget his name now, I'm getting older, can't think right, but uh, Norman Vincent Peale. You guys remember Norman Vincent Peale? That was during the 70s and so forth. He was the guy of power of positive thinking. Now that message, Peale's gone, uh, but that message continues on today. Another one would be Joel Osteen. He, he, with his prosperity theology, has incorporated a lot of the ideas from Norman Vincent Peale about power of positive thinking, about the way that you think yourself. Now, also some of our counseling is that way. However, that's okay. You shouldn't go around thinking that you're totally a scumbag and that uh, you're miserable and you can't do anything in life. That's really not going to get you anywhere. However, there is a point where you need to realize you are a scumbag. I mean, that, there, there's some truth to that, right? Spiritually, we're scumbags. Sorry, I shouldn't have used that word. All right, here, all right, I'll say it the biblical way. You're a sinner. And you need to have a realization of that. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? You're a, you're a sinner. And so they recognize that they're unrighteous, and that they're consumed with iniquity, consumed with sin. That's another great place for them to be, okay? Another great place for them to be. They acknowledge that no one seeks the Lord and that he has turned from them. So, here, here, so notice what they've done. They've, they've gone through a progression here in their prayer. 
So first of all, like, where are you, God? Why are you letting this happen to me? If you just show up and show yourself boss or whatever, everything's going to be okay. But now they come to the place in the prayer as they process it. They come to the place where they're like, yes, we are facing the consequences of our behavior. Okay? Next step over. Yes, we are unrighteous and consumed with iniquity. We're sinners. And then the next progression is what? And by the way, we weren't really looking for you. We really didn't want you in our lives. We just wanted to do our own thing. Now, those are three admissions. Would you say those are good admissions? Yeah. Yeah, until you come to that place of recognizing the stuff that I'm going through is because of me, why I'm going through it is because I'm a sinner, and the, and the bottom line is I haven't really been looking for you, God. I haven't really been looking for you to be in my life. So, and so they recognize the Lord has turned away from them. So the remnant reminded the Lord that they are his children and that he is their father. This is good too. Why would they need to do that? I mean, first of all, God knows that, but Sometimes it's good to say to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm your child. And you said you would always love me. So it's reminding them, but it's reminding the Lord. Okay. They called for the Lord not to remember their sin forever. Now, here's the blessing for you and I as believers in Jesus Christ. Does he remember our sin forever? No, no, not at all. Isn't that awesome? Now we do. You know, they talk about elephants having a memory. Elephants always remember. See that commercial where some guy does something as a kid to an elephant, and later he's in a zoo, and the elephant reaches over and knocks the grown-up adult across the head, getting back because he always remembered. Well, we're, we're better than that. We're better than elephants in this sense. We remember everything. And it comes back when we don't want it to come back. We're constantly reminded of our sin. Plus, we got a, somebody who helps us remember. Who's that? The accuser of the brethren, Satan, right? But they call the Lord not to remember their sin forever. They tell the Lord that Jerusalem and its temple are destroyed. So it's kind of like they're saying, God, just by the way, your, your city, David's city, and your temple, where your presence is supposed to be, they're gone. And they ask the Lord if this will not move him to action. Now, that's a natural request, isn't it? God, aren't you going to do something? Aren't you bothered by this? I've prayed like that. It's okay to pray like that. So when you're in the midst of, of, of calamity when you're watching a loved one who's struggling in the hospital, and, or you're, it's okay to say to God, God, don't you see what's going on? Are you, are you, are you going to do something? That's a natural human reaction, okay? So we're seeing a natural prayer here. Now, here's the Lord's response. We see this in chapter 65, verses 1 to 25, okay? So this is how the Lord responds to them. All right, now we can relate to them, right? We can relate to their prayer, okay? 
We can relate to their prayer. Now, here's how God responds. First of all, the Lord revealed himself to those who did not ask him to. So God says, look, I'm the one who reveals myself whether I'm asked or not. Okay? I'll give you an example. Remember some guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus? What was he doing in the beginning part of Acts? He was chasing after, imprisoning, killing Christians. He's on the road to Damascus to go and get more Christians, and guess who showed up? Jesus. Did Paul ask for Jesus to show up? Saul? No. Not at all. So the Lord reveals himself to those who do not ask him. He reached out to those who chose their own paths. So this is talking about the sovereignty of God and how he reaches out to people. Even with people who want to do their own thing, he reaches out to them. Listen, think about yourself before you became a believer. Before you became a believer and committed your life to Jesus, you were doing your own thing. You weren't necessarily seeking after God, the true God. But God in his grace reached out and what? Reached out to you, maybe through somebody else who talked to you about him. But his spirit was there giving you understanding. God revealed himself to those who were choosing their own path. This people provoked the Lord because of their idolatry. So he's talking about Israel now. He's saying, look, they, they provoked him because of their idolatry. So even though he had a relationship with him, he sought after them. They're chasing after other gods. The Lord will repay them for their sin. So you're going to bear the consequences. You're going to be punished. And believe me, folks, they are still being punished. Still being punished. The Lord will not totally destroy them as a remnant will remain. You know, there's, there's an old story of Frederick the Great. He was the king of Prussia during the early 18, uh, 18th century, and uh, he was there having a meal with his chaplain, who was a Christian man, and uh, he asked his chaplain the question, uh, show me proof about Israel. What, what is the proof about Israel that they are this special people? And so the chaplain said to him, I'll show you the proof. They're still here. So if you think about it, by that, that time it's the 1800s. That's 1800 years after, and we know about AD 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed. AD 135 is when, when the empire finally got sick of the Jewish people, destroyed what they can, and scattered the rest of them throughout the entire empire. And they still exist. They're still here today, right? Now, have you met a Hittite or a Jebusite or an Amorite? You've probably met a Jew or seen one going and get gas down at the, the, uh, the gas stations down by the highway. It's not a week that goes by I'll, I'll, I'll see an Orthodox Jew there who's heading to where? New York. Do you know what I'm saying? So... They're still here. 
Why? Even though he's upset with them and he's punishing them because right now, what are they doing? They're rejecting the true Messiah, Jesus. Their Messiah. He's not what? Destroyed them. Has he? No. So the Lord will not destroy them as the remnant will remain. The remnant's flocks will flourish in Israel. So again, he's given them a promise. Your flocks will, will flourish in Israel. So he's given them hope. Okay. The prophet points out that Israel is a people given over to idolatry. And yeah, that's true. Yep. Yes, we know about the Orthodox Jew, but a vast majority of them are secular. And they'll go chasing after anything except Christianity. Those who have forsaken the Lord will be punished. So he's telling them, if you're forsaking me, you're going to be punished. The Lord contrasts those who are his servants with those who are forsaken him, who have forsaken him. So when you look at this section of verses, you'll see that the Lord kind of contrasts them. Those who are his servants and follow him versus those who have forsaken him. His servants will eat and drink while those who forsake him will hunger and thirst. This is talking about the punishment. Those who serve him will eat and drink. But those who don't, they're going to be punished. The faithful will be blessed and the Lord forgets their past troubles. The faithful will be blessed and the Lord forgets their past troubles. I think one of the most amazing portions of Scripture that really speaks to me, that really speaks to me, is when you get to Isaiah chap, excuse me, Revelation chapter 21, where it talks about us entering into the new, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new city. It talks about that God will be with us and that He will what? Wipe away every tear. And I really believe that after that moment when he wipes away those tears for whatever reason that we're weeping and crying at that moment, we'll not remember the evil of this world anymore. It will be forgotten. All the pain, all the hurt, it'll be gone. Isn't that an awesome thought? Did you know what I'm saying? Isn't that an awesome thought? You know, because here's, here's the thing, okay? So, um, so I, you guys know that my dad was, uh, I was, I was 20 years old. My dad was robbed and murdered in Columbia, South Carolina back in 1986. So that's been 20 Wow, it's been more than 20 years. Uh, my math's off. So that'd be 36 years ago? Yeah, because I'm 56. Simple math, George. Okay. So, okay. So, here it is 36 years later. The pain of that and the loss of that is still real. So, like, for instance, you know, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be going up to Great Lakes, New uh Great Lakes Naval Base up near north of Chicago for Sawyer's graduation before he goes off for his advanced training. Um, my dad was a military man, 20 plus years in the Army. And a thought occurred to me, my dad would have been proud to be there. 
but he'll never see any of Sawyer's graduations. You know, so that, that pain is real. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? That, that pain is real. But here's the thing. The faithful will be blessed, and the Lord himself will forget our past troubles. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? It'll be gone. That's what's so awesome, okay? Let, let's go on. The Lord will create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, where do we know that? Revelation, okay? Chapter 21. A new heaven and a new earth. And Jerusalem will be a place of joy. And guess what, folks? You're going to be there. Okay? With him forever. The people will dwell in safety and enjoy long lifespans. You're never going to die. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It'll get boring. No, it won't. <laughs> there will be harmony in nature and the, as the world experiences peace. That's, that's the future. 